ride and sing ride and pray ride on the battlefield. Just keep on bringing souls to Jesus by the service that I give. And I'm just a hard body soldier and I'm on the battlefield now. church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. For our morning uh, worship uh, scripture reading for this morning worship service, it will be read from Exodus chapter 40 and verses 9 through 15. That is Exodus chapter 40 verses 9 through 15. Once again, it is Exodus chapter 40, verses 9 through 15. If all found, it reads, And thou shalt take the anointing oil, and not the tabernacle, and all that is therein, and thou and shalt hollow it, and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy, and thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering, and all his vessels, and sanctify the altar, and it shall be an altar most holy. <clears throat> and thou shalt anoint the 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 layer the laver and his foot, and sanctify it. And thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and wash them with water. And thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments, and anoint him, and sanctify him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt bring his sons, and clothe them with coats. And thou shalt anoint them, and thou didst anoint their father, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. I have just read Exodus chapter 40, verses 9 through 15. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. Amen. Amen. Let us bow and go to our heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portrait of our health and our strength and closing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege 
to assemble together in the Wichita in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering them in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial means. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church, that we are a member of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for every church door open and every person proclaiming your word this morning, Heavenly Father. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that's having difficulty at this time. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you bless them with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's working on the front line. Just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue watching over them and keeping them from any hurt, harm, or danger. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling or will be traveling. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from that destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved family all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort and strengthen those families in the way, Heavenly Father, that only you know how. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will be better Christian today than we were yesterday. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll continue loving each other more and more each day. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper. He come deliver us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen, though we'll listen toward eternity. Because these will be eternal matters, he will be delivering unto us and not only listeners listen and hear your word heavenly father but doers of your word and we pray heavenly father that this witch service will be done decent and in order and we pray heavenly father that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight and heavenly father when we done come to the end of our journey said our last prayer and taken our last breath we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son, and I will save you, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please note pages uh, 985 in faith. Praise books for our next song selection. Let's say that's page 985 in your faithful praise books. When morning comes, once again, that's page 985 in your faithful praise books. 
page 985. Father, let us see. Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God will lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eye, and we'll follow till we die. And we will understand it better oh, by and by. We're singing by and by. Oh, when the morning comes, you know that all the saints of God are gathering home. And we will tell the story how we overcome. And we will understand it better oh, by and by. Disappointments have prevailed, and we've wandered in the darkness, heavy hearted and alone. But we're trusting in the Lord, and according to His word, we will understand it better. Oh, by and by, we're singing by and by. Oh, when the morning comes, you know that all. For each thoughtless word or deed And we wonder why the test When we try to do our best oh, But we'll understand it better oh, By and by We're singing by and by Oh, when the morning comes You know that all the saints of God Are gathering home and we Tell the story how we overcome, and we will understand it better. Oh, by and by, we're singing by and by. Oh, when the morning comes, you know that all the saints of God are gathering home, and we will tell the story By and by. Amen. Let's turn to page 20 in your sake selection psalm books. Once again, it's page 20 in your sake selection psalm books. I'm going that way. Once again, it's page 20 in your sake selection psalm books. I've heard of a land of joy and peace and wonderful light and wonderful light, a beautiful place, a mansion's fair, and skies ever bright, and skies ever bright, where all who obey the Savior dear forever 
shall stay, forever shall stay, and having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way, 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 and Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day. I cling to him, I cling to him, and never do stray, and never do stray. Yes, singing his praises all day long. I'm going that way, I'm going that way. The glorious news I tell and sing, as onward I go, as onward I go, and that those who are still astray. Savior may know, my Savior may know, I want them to sing His praise above some beautiful day, some beautiful day, for glory to Him who died for me. I'm going that way, 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 I'm going that way. Jesus the Savior I adore is with me each day, is with me each day. I cling to Him, I cling to Him, and never do stray, and never do stray. Yes, singing His praises all day long. I'm going that way, I'm going that way. I know I shall meet Him at the gate. Trials are past, when trials are past, I know I shall meet in face to face, in glory at last, in glory at last. And no, I believe that when we meet, well done, he will say, well done, he will say, for trust in his soul, redeeming love, I'm going that way. Again, it's page 23 in your faith and praise books. Our God, he is alive. Once again, it's page 23 in your faith and praise books. Father, let us sing. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight in eaten the skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with his great mind. There is a 
the great I am. What a wonderful song uh, that reminds us of who we serve and why it is such a blessing to be uh, in the worship services of the Lord. Uh, it's good to see you all here this morning as we uh, once again engage the worship service and lift our voices up in praise to God uh, to ensure that uh, we do that which God has commanded us to do, which is to give him the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. Uh, and we do that continually. Uh, Jesus said, in the midst of the church, will I sing songs. Uh, we lift up our voices and we sing songs to God so that he knows what is uh, on our hearts as we uh, share with him through the songs and hymns and spiritual songs. As we sing and make melody in our hearts to, unto the Lord, certainly we are appreciative of Brother Culpepper for the songs that he has led us in and certainly uh, thankful that we as the congregation can lift up our voices and make the worship service what it is and what it should be. I want to call your attention very quickly to the, uh, the book of Exodus as we make our way back to the Old Testament for a short while. Uh, and once again, re-engage our conversation that we've been having about the tabernacle. Uh, just uh, as a, a point of uh, reminder, uh, we've been working on this theme for several months now as we've been looking at uh, the ark, the tabernacle, the temple, the church, and the covenant. And so we've been looking at the tabernacle now that we had transitioned from the ark and we're now looking at the tabernacle because we recognize that each of these uh, uh, constructs are uh, holy before God. Uh, the ark, if you will, uh, is a holy place. The tabernacle is a holy place. The temple is a holy place, and certainly uh, the church uh, is a holy place. Uh, and each of them, if you will, in the dispensation and the general general uh, gener generation that they were constructed in by the will of God uh, was brought together by the covenant in other words uh, neither of these spiritual constructs were created without God's guidance without his direction uh, each of them were done uh, based on the direction of God and so as we've been looking at the uh, theme, the immortal God and the mortal man, I thought it would be helpful and indeed edifying uh, to go back and to look at the, uh, the beginning where the tabernacle um, was constructed and how they were to uh, behave themselves in the tabernacle of God. Uh, we recognize that uh, there is a, 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 an important place in uh, all of what we do when it comes to the worship services of the Lord. But we need to know that we don't do this by subjectivity. We don't do it by happenstance. Uh, we do it because God has given guidance. Uh, God has directed us uh, on how we should uh, 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 behave ourselves in his spiritual construct. And, and since we've been dealing with the tabernacle, uh, uh, it would make sense that we would, uh, in fact, uh, look at all that God has done and, 
and to, to, to help us uh, see how this carries over from generation to generation. It is important that we know that there is no spiritual construct of God that is left to man's own devices. Man cannot determine how he wants to uh, worship before God. He cannot determine what offering he chooses and desires to place before God. He cannot determine how God will respond uh, to the offering uh, that he puts forward. All of this is within the construct of God. And so God knows the hearts of man. Uh, and we need to understand that God made it very clear that, that, that anyone and everyone that comes before him, it is uh, incumbent upon them to present that which is holy before God. Uh, and, 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 and we see that this is interwoven throughout all of man's existence upon the face of the earth and surely within the spiritual constructs. Just as a point of reference, we talked about the ark. I'm not going to go back and re-preach those sermons, but I want to see, want you to see the bridge and the connection between the two. Remember, uh, Noah and his family uh, were not just put in the ark by happenstance. God saw them as a family, a family that was identified as holy. Peter would recall that Noah was a Righteous man. He was a preacher of righteousness. God would not have referred and described, if you will, Noah in such a way, referred to and described Noah in such a way, if he had not been identified as one who was desiring to be holy before God. You may recall that one of the criteria that God placed before Noah before he even entered into the ark is that he entered into the ark with a covenant agreement with Noah. And Noah and the family, uh, it is uh, uh, certainly implied by the scripture and certainly can be inferred from that that they all were in agreement with the covenant. And that they would go into the ark, that God is as he is. He is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. God had let Noah know that if he, had, if he, if he, if he built the ark and, and did those things which God had commanded him to do, that he would save his family. And God did so. God did so. The eight souls were saved in the ark. That being said, we find ourselves now with the tabernacle. In another generation, another dispensation, time has passed. Men have uh, retreated from God and others have been drawn toward him. And I wish I had time to deal with that, but, but, but I'll just drop this off while I'm flying over this territory. Every, every generation and every dispensation has the same behavior. Where there are those who... Uh, uh, retract from God and there are those who are drawn to him. Our dispensation is no different. Amen. Amen. We're, we're not at the church just yet. We've, we've been dropping thoughts about the church and the rest of the this various spiritual constructs along the way. But, 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 but let me tell you something. Every generation of humanity has the same issues that we need to deal with within our generation. 
Adam and Eve had it. Noah and his family, even after coming out of the ark, they had it. Before the deluge, before the flood, they had it. After the deluge, they had it. During the time of Moses, they had it. But nevertheless, within each dispensation, within each generation, there's a constant that we need to recognize, and that is God is always present. God is always present. He's always there as a guide for those who desire to be saved. And and, and what we have to understand is some folks just don't want to be saved. I mean, some folks just don't want to be saved. The devil don't want to be saved. He don't want to be saved. Amen. That's why he was thrown out of heaven. Revelations chapter 12 makes it very clear that when Michael and the angels warred against Satan, God called him the old serpent, the dragon. They fought. God threw them out of heaven. Some folks just don't want to be saved. Amen. Reserved now, they are in hell, waiting to be judged. And that's why you always hear me say, you better stop watching all those Damien movies and all the rest of them that try to show you like somehow the devil is ruling hell. The devil's going to be in hell, but he ain't ruling nothing. We give him too much power. He used to have power, he don't have power no more. I don't have time to deal with all that. But he says, he says, look, he's in, in, in the tabernacle. God makes it very clear that holiness was a element of, uh, 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 of, of, of the individuals that were engaged in the tabernacle. The holy priesthood would uh, expand that thought as we look at it in context of the church. But look what he says in Exodus chapter 20 as we turn our Bibles there. And I hope you have your, your Bible with you this morning. I don't mind whether it is in the digital form on your iPhone or uh, Galaxy or whatever uh, electronic device you use. Just make sure that when you open up the app that it goes to the Bible. Uh, and, and as I encourage you always, make sure you have a good, uh, a, a, a good translation of the Bible. Amen. King James 1611, uh, you can't go wrong. American Standard 1901, you be all right. Amen. But you start getting off of those two, you're going to have some challenges. Uh, but nevertheless, in Exodus, if you will, we, we, we find ourselves uh, in this text as we, we look at uh, 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 Moses and God having conversation about what to do in Exodus, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 40. I said Exodus 20. Exodus 40. We find ourselves in Exodus 40, and we find God speaking to Moses, and, he, and he's talking to him about the tabernacle. Now, I know we started at verse number 10, thereabouts, but, but I want to start at verse number 1, because I want you to see here that it was important for God to uh, help Moses understand the importance about the congregation. Lord have mercy. Even way back in the Old Testament, the word congregation was used from the Hebrew to congregate. To come together. Amen. To come together and to be together. And and let me tell you something. To come together and to be together in the same place at the same time. Amen. Amen. Not scattered out over the world. Say, just imagine in your mind we all together. Because you ain't. With a whole chance. 
foundation of the concept of the congregation here in uh, Exodus chapter 40 and verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, guidance is given. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, he didn't leave it up to Moses to try to figure out what to do. The Bible says God spoke to Moses. And he said to him, on the first day of the first month, Thou uh, shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. We got folks still pushing back on the fact that the Bible says in the New Testament on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, when the advert time, the disciples came together to worship upon the first day of the week. Here we have in the Old Testament, in the same, in, a, in, in, in one of the spiritual constructs, the tabernacle, that represents the place of the immortal God, where mortal man comes together with the immortal God, we find God giving guidance. I understand, I don't, I'm trying to struggle with the idea that somehow man has come up with some new concept where in this new Christian, uh, Christian dispensation that somehow God has forgotten to give us guidance. I'm struggling with that. When throughout all of the biblical texts we see that God has never left man alone. God has always given his word. Now, man has chosen to reject it. And then some have, then some have given their very lives to accept it. But nevertheless, God is always present. There's one constant in God's creation. And that he's always there. He's always there. And so it says, on the first day of the first month, shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. And, and, and the tent here is just another word used to describe and to define the concept of the tabernacle. It moves from, it can be moved from place to place. It wasn't like the temple that we'll get to later that Solomon built that was now, uh, if you will, it was a, a, a placed and structured that it would not be able to be moved any longer, that the people would be, if you will, uh, uh, to go to Jerusalem and go there and worship, and the temple was there. We don't have time to deal with right now with Nehemiah. Uh, uh, and, 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 and Ezra, I, I'll reference them later on in, in, in this sermon because uh, about the transition from self-awareness to the idea of needing guidance. But with that being said, he, he, in verse number three, he says, and thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony and, and, and cover the ark with the veil. In other words, look what God says. God says, I want you to take the ark of the testimony, the ark that, that was built, not the ark that Noah and the eight souls place of holies of holies where only the high priest could go Amen. only the high priest would go but it would be there and it would be covered and I want you to understand the significance of this when it was placed in that uh, in the in the uh, uh, in the ark the ark was placed in the place of uh, of testimony where they would give uh, the the offering the priests that is would go and give the offering for the people. Let me tell you something. The ark of the testimony was important. In other words, the word of God was present. God's covenant was present. The mortal man was present when God's word was present. 
his word and mortal man was present with God. But the word was the binding agreement between the two. They were in worship with God. And the covenant was not absent. But the covenant was very present before God. God made sure that when the president was, uh, when the when the covenant was present before them, that that man did that which was written in the covenant, and God would adhere to that which he had uh, which he had placed in the covenant. But man could not deviate from what was in the word of God, and God would hold on and hold up His promises that were in the covenant if man held to what was in it. So it was a binding agreement. In Exodus 26, in verse number 33, uh, I'll start at verse number 32 for the sake of, uh, of, of discussion, but uh, uh, I tell you what. This is the construct of the ark. And verse number 32 says, And thou shalt hang it upon the four pillars of, of shittim wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold upon the four sockets of silver. Thou shalt hang up the veil uh, uh, under the tatches and that, that thou uh, 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 mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony. And the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. Lord have mercy. The tabernacle where God was, the immortal God, it's where, it's, where, it's where the mercy seat is. And let me tell you something, the blessing of this is, is, is so powerful because Hebrews 9 and 5 talks about the idea of Christ being our propitiation where the mercy seat is. And when we come before God, when we come into the, the, the church, when we as the church come together into this place, this, this place of brick and mortar and wood, we come together. It is us coming together that make up the church. And, and being that we are coming together and making up the church, we need to know that as mortal men, we are before an immortal God. And it is not that which we desire of our selfishness. But it is that which God has given as a part of his word, his covenant agreement, that we would gather together before him in the place that we are. John 4 will talk about neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall men worship God, but God seeketh the true worshipers to worship him. And wherever God's true worshipers are gathered together, and they are gathered together based on the covenant of God's word, and they're worshiping according to God's word, God would be in the midst of them. Here we find in the Old Testament text with the tabernacle that this same guidance was given. Thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy place. And thou shalt set the table without the veil and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and and thou shalt put the table on the north side, and and thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent of the blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined uh, linen uh, wrought with needlework, and and thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shittim wood and overlay them with with the 
gold and their hooks shall be of gold and, and, the, and, and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. Look how detailed and specific God's guidance is concerning the ark, the covenant, the, 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 the mercy seat, the building and structure of the tabernacle, even down to this very item. And I think this is important as you look at the, 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 the significance of needing guidance. God says, needlepoint. Lord have mercy. I don't want you to put this together just any kind of way. But I want, if you will, that the scarlet and the fine linen, the purple and the blue that will be hanging over, the, uh, uh, if you will, of the door of the tent, uh, that fine linen needs to be wrought with needlework. This is how detailed and specific God is when it comes to giving guidance toward how we ought to present ourselves as mortal man before an immortal God. God is very detailed in his guidance, especially as he lays out the spiritual nature of how man uh, is to interact with him in this, in this uh, uh, spiritual place, in this spiritual construct. Now you can go to verse, uh, chapter rather, 27 and read the rest of that. But, but go back to Exodus chapter 40. And I want you to drop down, if you will. Look what he says in verse number 4. Thou shalt bring in the table and, and set it in order. And set it in order, the things that are to be set in order upon it. And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and, and, la- and light the lamps thereof. Things need to be done in order. Not, not, not how you feel, but in order. Right? And then he goes on and he says, And thou shalt set up the altar of the gold and, and the incense before the ark of the testimony and put the hanging of the door uh, uh, to the tabernacle. And thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering, if you will, before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. And he goes on, he's, he's making it very clear that man needs guidance. When it comes to worshiping him. And thou shalt set the laver between the tent of the congregation, the altar, and shall put water therein. We're almost where we need to be. And thou shalt set up the court round about and hang up the hanging at the court gate. And thou shalt take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is therein and uh, and, and shall hallow it and all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. When you do what God says, do. When you follow the guidance that God has given. When you acknowledge that there is a covenant agreement between man and God. That only God can confirm with his promises. And man is blessed if he has the, the, the wherewithal to even obey the things that God has said to do. Only God can say, if you will, without a doubt and without any concern and, and, and any equivocation. Only God says that if only God can say, if you do the things that I've said to be done, it shall be holy. In other words, you can't create holiness of yourself. God says, it'll be holy because I'm going to say it's holy. 
there's no question here. He didn't say it may be holy. It might be holy. He's letting us know if you do what I said do, if you follow my guidance, it shall be holy. The water that was outside of the place of the holies of holies, it was it was there for Aaron, the high priest, who would eventually go into the holy of holies to offer the sacrifices unto God over the mercy seat, to spill the blood of the innocent animals, those that were found without spot, without blemish. The sons would serve as well, but they wouldn't go into the holies of holies because they were not high priests. But they would go into the second compartment of the tabernacle where they would prepare those things that would go into the holies of holies. But they too had to had to be washed. Now you may, especially our Bible scholars in the congregation, you already may see the connection here. Even from the Ark of the Covenant, there's a connection here. There were some eight souls that were saved by water. Amen, when you can. And then there were others in the rest of the world that was destroyed by water. When you see the tabernacle, you see God once again introducing the element of water. And he says here that, that before Aaron and, if you will, and the, and the sons could enter into the holies of holies, Aaron into the holies of holies and the sons into the holy place, water had to be involved. Amen when you can. And what you find is, is that in this text, amen, we find ourselves now looking uh, at, at, a, at, a, at, at an example of how one becomes holy in order to be able to stand before God. Let's see, on March 1st, the governor, he, 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 he lifts his order of all of the pre-pandemic issues, uh, uh, pandemic issues, and we're supposed to return back to the, the, the pre-pandemic. And you may say, well, Brother Cole, why are you, de- why, why are you detracting and going into this conversation? Because, see, I want to come down there so bad and be in the midst of y'all like we used to be, right? still nervous about the pandemic. I've been shot five times. I've been shot more times in the pandemic than my entire life. But I want to come down there because what I want you to see is, is that God's word is not far from us. It's nigh and near to us. Right? And when we, and when we are coming 
coming together, we need to know that we're coming together in this holy place and we are the ones that make this place holy because we are holy. This place isn't holy because somebody put a name on the outside of the marquee. This place becomes holy because we're here. And when we are here, God is here. His covenant is the foundation of why we do what we do. You may recall that in, uh, uh, in Timothy, we find ourselves with Paul sharing with Timothy these things about what it means to be in the house of God. There was no doubt that there were some challenges, yes. But in 1 Timothy 3, in verse number 15, you may recall Paul saying to Timothy, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself. In the house of thyself, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. In other words, whenever the people of God come together, we need to know how to behave ourselves. And God, if you will, told Moses, when Aaron and his sons come before me to offer up spiritual sacrifices, they ought to know how to behave themselves. How to behave themselves. And it is the covenant, it is my word that will give that guidance. This is what it means to come from darkness into light. I once was blind, but now I see. Surely it is a, 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 a carnal spiritual saying but the uh, a carnal saying, but it has a, a spiritual impact. Because he's not talking about being physically blind, literally blind, and then being able to see. But he's talking about our spiritual heart being blind. And then with the word of God, the light has come on. And now we see with our spiritual heart what God desires of us. I once was blind. But now I see, you may recall now that we quote, when we quote very often, we quote about if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And we use that phrase and, 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 and we come to know and to learn that when Jesus used that phrase, he was talking about the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the doctors and the lawyers who were leading the people and teaching the people things that were contrary to God's word. And Jesus comes and says, if the blind lead the blind. In other words, if you're doing that which God is not giving guidance to do, then you are blind. And if those of you who choose to follow after them who are giving guidance that God told did not give guidance to do, then you too are blind. And if the blind lead the blind, each of you are going to fall in the same ditch. And the ditch that you've fallen in is the scandal on of the devil. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you want to avoid the spiritual works of the devil, then you better open up your eyes to God's word. Or better yet, I think it said better that your eyes need to be open to God's word. And even more so, maybe even more direct, your, your eyes need to be opened by God's word. So that you can see where the devil is placing his scandal on. 
If you want to ignore God's word, God says, look, in, in, in Romans chapter 2, he says, look, if you want to continue to ignore my word and you continue to want to reject me, he says, look, at some point I will retract understanding and give you over to a reprobate mind, void of judgment. The last thing you want to do is God take his hands off you. That's the last thing you want God to do. Because when God takes his hands off you, that means that you have no protection. That means the devil has his way. Void of judgment. A reprobate mind. But God says in Exodus to Moses that when Aaron comes before me, when the sons of Aaron come before me, in verse number 12, he says, And thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and wash them with water. Look what he says. I, I don't, don't, don't run past God's word. Stay for a minute. Stay for a minute. Don't, don't run past it. He says, before, not after. Lord have mercy. We got folk becoming members member of the church before they became a member of the church. Oh, Lord have mercy. You probably missed that. You probably missed that, didn't you? We have people being claimed as being members of the church before you become members of the church. But here in the tabernacle, we see where God says to, 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 to Moses, he says, and thou, shalt, uh, and thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto, unto, Lord have mercy, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and wash them with water. In other words, before they come into, there's an unto. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Amen. 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 Before you into, it's an unto. Right? And so what we find here, he says you bring them unto the door, but don't let them go past the door until certain things have taken place. In other words, there's guidance given in terms of how they are to be made holy for that day. In order for them to come into the tabernacle. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. There's guidance given. And, and, and look what the guidance is. The guidance says they will be washed with water. It's not an outward sign of an inward grace. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You ain't got no grace until you go through the wall. And I say, got no. You don't have no grace until you go through the wall. Because God says, you, you, can, you can come unto, but you're not, you're not into until the water happens. That's the guy. We are baptized into Christ. Not baptized unto Christ. We're baptized into Christ. The water element is God's guidance. Oh, you don't need to be baptized. You, we can, you can just become members. Of, oh, where, where is that law? Where is that in the covenant agreement between the immortal God and the mortal man? There's got to be some law somewhere. 
just arbitrarily change the rules because it makes you feel more comfortable. Well, it's more convenient. You know, I got my good church clothes on. I don't get them wrinkled. I got to go to lunch afterwards. Can't you just dump some water on my forehead and be all right? No! And so when we see in the tabernacle, we see that God says, look, I want to start you off. Notice, notice what, and we've already talked about the ark, but I'm going to make a connection here. When, 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 when God told Noah to build the ark, he told him how to make it. He told him how to pitch it, to pitch it in and outwardly with pitch and, and to make one door on the side and one, if you will, window up at top. And, and all God gave him specific. He told him even what wood to make it out of. He was very specific. He was very specific, very detailed. And all of a sudden, when it comes to the church, it's just God is just all over the place. Nobody know what he wants. That's not how this works. God has given guidance. And when one wants to become holy, one has to come through the water. Because water is the element that's been placed there. When Aaron and his sons wanted, it had to rather come before God to offer up the sacrifices. He says that they came unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and washed them with water. Verse number 13, and thou shalt put on Aaron the holy God. Lord have mercy. You can't even put on the clothes and tell you why. No, 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 no. We're dealing with some physical, natural things because we are in the law of Moses. And the law of Moses was very much focused on the behavioral issues of man. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, it was always God's intent. As Romans 9 would help us to understand that, that the biggest problem with the children of Israel, Moses, if you will, and the others, was that they did not search his, uh, uh, follow after the law by faith. They, 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 they did it based on their carnal understanding. They didn't seek it by faith. But with that being said, we find him saying that, that the, 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 the washing of Aaron and his sons were done before the holy garments were placed upon him. Now, this is in the physical realm, right? But, but in the spiritual realm, as I make this connection for the church, let me tell you something. Before you can become a member of the spiritual congregation, the church of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, as God said to Tim, as Paul said to Timothy, through the writings of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Before one can become holy, one must first put off that which is unholy. You got to put off those garments and wash before God will put on you the, the holy of holies. Lord have mercy. You got to become self-aware. You got to become self-aware that, that, that before, before the water, we are all and we were all unholy. Oh, you might as well want to say Amen. I didn't read the text. You ain't going to back up now. Before, we were all unto the door, but we didn't get through the door until we went through the water. And we had to put off those unholy garments. We had to become self-aware. Let me hope you hear a little bit more. Let the Bible 
help us here a little bit more. Go over to Nehemiah. I want you to see something about self-awareness. I said I would share this with you as I as I continue to make the connections between these these various spiritual constructs. Now Nehemiah says something very interesting. He's Nehemiah is in a he, he's 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 in the generation where the, the the temple was once built and now it's destroyed. And so he and Ezra and Zerubbabel coming out of uh, Babylon and, and and they're returning to, to 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 Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the temple and to reestablish the foundation. Of, 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 the, of the temple of God. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to drop down in Nehemiah chapter 1 uh, to verse number 5. I'm not going to be much longer. I recognize that I have to, I have to, to, to curve my morning preaching now because in my, in my adjustment behavior I've, uh, uh, during the pandemic, I preached longer just to make sure I captured y'all for, for Bible class within the preaching. But now we have Bible class again, so I'm going to have to cut my preaching so we can do Bible class. But we have Nehemiah chapter 1, and, 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 and I want you to drop down uh, to verse number 4. I'm going to start there. And this is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is engaged now in a, in a, in a prayer to the Lord. And Nehemiah recognizes that there's some self-awareness that needs to happen here. The Bible says in verse number four, Nehemiah chapter one, verse number four, and it came to pass when I heard these words. By the way, if you didn't know when was an adverb of time, this phrase should help you understand. There was a time, Nehemiah said, when I came, I heard these words and that, that I sat down and, 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 and wept and, and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah had heard that the, the, the walls of the temple had been burned down and, 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 and been run over and everything was in, in, a, in, a, in a state of, a, of, of destitution. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a horrible thing for Nehemiah to hear about the temple of God. But he says he, verse number five, and I said, and, and said rather, Nehemiah did, I beseech thee, I beg thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant. That keepeth covenant. God is a God when he gives guidance He's willing to keep his promises. He keeps his covenant. Nehemiah recognizes that he, he's aware that he serves a God that keepeth covenant. And, and, and look, and mercy, he not only that keepeth covenant, and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. When God gives guidance and you're willing to do what God says do, you're going to be all right. He's, he's God to keep his covenant. 
As we quote many times in 2 Peter 3 and 9, God is not slack concerning his promises, and some men count slackness, wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God keepeth covenants. And he keeps them and he has mercy. For this is a, the church is a place of mercy. It's a place of mercy. And certainly it's a place of grace. But mercy is not only for those who are not members of the church. Mercy is for those who are also members of the church. We always need mercy. Amen. Amen. We all need, always need mercy. Mercy, God, holds back that which we deserve. Amen. Because when we sin, we deserve to die. But God holds us back. God's long-suffering. Thank you, Jesus, for the long-suffering of God. He extends mercy. Grace is given to the children of God because in grace we have the avenue of prayer. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John 1.14, John 1.17. And so through Christ we have the avenue of grace and, and when we fall short of God's glory, we can, we can go to God as, as, as priests in God's kingdom, in God's church. We can go to him and ask for forgiveness. God's merciful that he even gives you time enough to even let the words come into your mind. Certainly giving you the opportunity to engage in devotion and worship, to even have that moment of time to have just a little talk with Jesus. Amen. Nevertheless, we find here what Nehemiah says, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his Commandments and 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 oh, I wish I had time. This this is not this is not talking about someone who has decided to continue to practice sin. This is about talking. This is speaking to someone who has done something that they repented of. I have time to deal with that. Verse number six says, "Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open." That thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Self-awareness is necessary. Then when you come before God. That's why when someone who has not obeyed the gospel comes before God, one of the things that we say is, you've got to hear the word of God. You have to believe it. And then you have to do what? Repent of your sins. Don't start coming up here reporting about what everything everybody did to you. God says repent of your sins. Be aware that you have fallen short of the glory of God. Self-awareness. Lord, I'm outside of the relationship that I need to have with you. So Nehemiah shows us that there's a need for self-awareness. He says, which we have sinned. Against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments 
nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Nehemiah realized he became self-aware that they had not done what God had commanded to be done according to the law of God. But he had commanded Moses. And remember, over here in Exodus 40, God was very clear when he spoke to Moses about how they should conduct themselves in the house of God. How they need to conduct themselves as God's people. And Nehemiah became very self-aware that they had not done what God had asked and commanded to be done. And so Nehemiah goes to God and he's very self-aware. And being in his self-aware, look what he does. When you, look, when you come into the awareness because of God's covenant, because of his word, not some subjective thing. He says, look, I've recognized by my reading and understanding of Moses' commandments that I and my father's house has sinned. Your word, your guidance tells me I have sinned. It's not subjective. It's objective. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 and 23. And we all need God. Why do we know that? Because the Bible teaches us that while we were yet in our sins, Christ died. We know we are in sin. And in order to have the relationship that we need to have with God, we have to change our lives. We have to accept God's word. We have to believe it and obey it. Amen. So Nehemiah is self-aware. And in his prayer, he's recognizing, we have not cut that which you've commanded Moses. And then he says, in verse number eight, because, you know, this, this, is, this is interesting as Nehemiah somehow, as he, as, he, as, he, as he interjects this into his prayer, as if somehow God has forgotten his own promises. <laughs> God doesn't forget his promises. He knows what his promises are. But Nehemiah says, look, I, you know, just, 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 just in case, I just want to drop this off here. You know, Lord, while, I, while I'm praying, I just want re- remember, I beseech thee, I beg thee, verse number 8, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, thou there, though there rather, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of heaven, of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Don't tell me you don't know the difference between being scattered and gathered. That ain't how this works. Because when you all scattered all over the place, it says there's a difference between being scattered and gathered. Our Lord have mercy. Y'all handle that how you need to handle it. But there's a difference. He says, Nehemiah in his prayer, that God had said, but if ye Turn unto me 
and keep my commandments and do them. Thou, though rather, there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven. Yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place. Not a place, but the place that I have chosen to set my name there. That's what God is saying. God has a spiritual construct. In the ark, in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the church, the guidance is given in the covenant in each of those dispensations and in each of those generations, God has given his guidance and his guidance is continually uh, uh, perpetuated throughout all the generations of that then known time. Because now we're in the Christian dispensation. We'll have more conversations about that. In verse number 11, as I close here with this text. Verse number 10, rather, as I close here with this text. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let, thine, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant. And to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this king. For I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah made it very clear what it means to have self-awareness. And it is in this text where we also see that Nehemiah understood that self-awareness should lead to you seeking the right guidance. When you understand, based on God's word, where you are in your disposition with the Lord, and we were all in sin. As Nehemiah says, if they were in sin, we are all in sin that are outside of God's word. And anytime any of us, whether we're members of the church or not members of the church, when you do that which is contrary to God's word, you are in sin. And so he says, when we're in that condition, in that disposition, we need to seek guidance from the Lord. And the Lord says, those of us who are members of the body of Christ, when you are identifying, you become self-aware by the word of my word that you are in sin. You need to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And for those of us who, in fact, have never uh, obeyed the word of God and are outside not only God's word, but even outside of his church. Not only do you need to repent, you need to obey the gospel. You need to be placed in a position where you can pray. And that comes through the water. The washing of the water. As I close, let's come back to Exodus 40 and wind this up. The guidance that, Aaron, that Moses is given concerning Aaron and the office of the priest. In verse number 13, he says, And thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments, and anoint him and sanctify him. That word sanctify means to set apart. Uh, the root word of it in the Greek 
also means to make holy. But it is to set apart. That he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt bring his sons and clothe them with coats. And thou shalt anoint them as thou didst anoint their father that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Notice what he says here. And this is important, as all of the word of God is. There wasn't one way for Aaron to become holy before God and a different way for his sons to become holy before God. Everybody had to become holy before God the same way. The same way. Just like you wash Aaron, wash them boys. Amen. The water is for everyone who will come before me and serve. The water is the same for everyone. It reminds me uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to start at verse number 13 for the sake of discussion. But I want to get to verse number 16 and 17 for the closing of the thought. Everybody had to come the same way. The wall was necessary for everyone to become holy. And he says here, wherefore, verse Peter 1 and 13, wherefore, gird up, your, uh, up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. Amen. Amen. Boy, I wish I had time there. Because when we all stand before God to give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or evil, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, the pleading of ignorance ain't going to help you. Amen. It's not going to help you. But nevertheless, he goes on and says, look, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And the Greek word here is not talking about the audible nature of expressing words. When he talks about conversation, he's talking about how you are living your life. Oh, amen, when you can when we come before God and we're trying to change our lives so that we can become saved and become holy, God says there's a conversational change that needs to take place. That means your living may have one day been in darkness. It may have one time been in the shadow. It may have one time been in sin. But if you're going to come into the church, not unto the church, into the church, you have to let that stuff go. You have to change your garments, Aaron. You have to change your garments, sons. You can't bring that stuff in the world into the body. Amen. 
giving guidance on this. That's what it means to change. That's what it means to be transformed and translated, rather, out of the darkness into the marvelous light. You're taking off the old garments. Let the old man die. Leave him dead. Arise to walk in the newness of life. Walk in the light, as Ephesians 5 says, because we are children of the light. We've changed from that which was of the world. You can't bring that into the church. You can't bring it into the tabernacle. God says a washing needs to take place. A transition, a transformation needs to take place. As Romans chapter 12 and 1 says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to, Peter says, be sober. Peter says, you've got to gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind together. You can't do what you used to do. You've got to become different. Well, I'm like this because my granddaddy and my grandmama and my great-great-grandmama and every other mama and daddy was like this before me. I don't care what they were like. If you're coming into the body, you have to let those things go that were not of God. you got to let them go. That's what it means to become self-aware. That there are things that you've got to let go. And you're letting them go, not by happenstance, not arbitrarily, but you're letting them go because God is giving guidance on how to let them go. Amen. Amen. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Boy, when we come into the knowledge of God's word, it's a wonderful thing. Because we see what manner of person that we are. And it's you standing there by yourself, looking into the word of God as a mirror. And God's mirror reflects to yourself who you are. And I just want you to get this here because I'm closing. When he gets to this point and he says, be ye holy for, for I am holy because, because your conversation has changed, uh, uh, if you will, and, and, and you're doing it because of, uh, of the, 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 the manner of your living is different and you've recognized that you need to uh, 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 come out of those things which are contrary to God but, 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 and, and, and begin to live according to what God has said. He, he's making a very clear point here, if you will. Uh, uh, look, in 2 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 7 and verse number 1, he says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's a washing that needs to take place. That's where the cleansing comes. Because the heart is ready now to accept God. Because of the word of God, because of the covenant of God's word. Because it is written. Be ye holy. As Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and 17, uh, 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 16, because it is written, be ye holy, 
for I am holy. God's guidance is leading you down a pathway that leads to being holy. Because there is no deliverance without holiness. So we're now into the conversation about the guidance that leads to being holy. Last Lord's Day, we were talking about the three things that, re, uh, 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 that remaineth about faith, uh, hope, and, uh, uh, and charity. We were talking about those things that remain. But remember, all of those things that remain, faith, hope, and charity, are all encompassing of the idea of living a holy life. So Aaron and his sons and Moses were given this guidance that as uh, the, the royal priesthood that we, we represent, we understand for that there was a time when men could live in ignorance and, and they, could, they, could, they could try to uh, uh, ignore God's word. Uh, and, and, and in many cases, as I was saying before, uh, in many cases, not only did they ignore God's word, but, uh, but they chose to, uh, to reject God's word. But God says to us, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5, and I'm closed. This is it. Ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. Amen when you can. You've built up a spiritual house. How many of you guys came in, and, and, and you, how many of you guys have ever seen a, a pre-manufactured house? You don't put any work in, you don't do anything, you just walk right on in. Well, guess what? This ain't no pre-manufactured house. You have to put some work in here. If you're going to change your life, you're going to have to put some work in. He says you built up a spiritual house. And that building up of a spiritual house is based on God's word. He says ye also as lively stones, not dead stones. You had a part in this. Are built up a spiritual house. And holy priesthood to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. When we change our lives. And we choose not to be conformed to this world anymore, but to be transformed. We are building up our spiritual house so that it can one day be found acceptable unto God. If you're here this morning, you've yet to take that step to, to, to you, 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 you come unto, but you're not into. Now, now you need to take that step to get into. And there's a washing that's necessary. It's called baptism. The washing is necessary. Because, because I believe, even if you were invited by friends, loved ones, but you, you're here this morning and you come unto, but you now need to think about what it means to be into. Because if you want to be saved, you've got to get into Christ. Right? You know, showing up to one of the worship services ain't enough. you got to get into Christ. And so Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Moses heard the word of God. He did that which God had commanded. Aaron and his sons did that which was commanded. And God found them 
10 and 17. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith. It's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, you, 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 you are here, and I believe that you are here because you are seeking. I would hope that that is the case. Amen. And now you found him. You found God's word. And now I know that if, if you are if you are if you are one of a conscience that is that is that is that is truly seeking God's word, what you heard this morning, it should disturb you. Amen. So you might feel like I'm not feeling so uneasy because that's what you should be feeling. And don't and don't fight. Embrace it. Right? James says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Embrace it. And you know why you embrace it? Because if you are feeling uncomfortable, it means that you still have a chance to be saved. Because your conscience can still be affected by God's word. It's not seared yet. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, and, and, and what you should be thinking about is, well, what do I do? I, because I, I want to be saved. And, and, and if you're a member of the body of Christ, and you haven't been doing those things which you ought to be doing, you should be feeling uncomfortable too. Amen. And so it's affecting you, and you're saying to yourself, what do I do? You have to acknowledge wherever you are. If you're a member of God's word, I mean, God's church, and you've heard his word, you need to repent. And if you're, if you're not a member of the church and you've heard God's word, you need to repent and be baptized. Amen. When they came up to Peter in Acts chapter 2 and 37, they said, men and brethren, what must we do? See, when Peter preached that sermon, they all felt uncomfortable because they knew what they had done. He said, we are taken with wicked hands and you've crucified the Lord. They were uncomfortable. Men and brethren, what, what must we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. For the remission of your sins. That was presented to those who had not yet been added to the body. But for those who have been added to the body, you got 1 John chapter 1. Let's make sure we make the scripture apply to the party that's being addressed. In 1 John chapter 1, when we fall short of God's glory and do that which is contrary to God, he was talking to those who are members of the body. That's why he said that same blood. God is not, uh, God rather, uh, uh, is a forgiving God. If you confess your faults, God will forgive you. And that same blood will cleanse you from your sin. The same blood you've already had contact with. We go on and so we find repentance of sin is necessary. Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you that, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts 17 and 30, God commanded every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, God wishes none to perish, but all should come unto repentance. But there is an urgency. One day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. In other words, you don't have time to start to be messing around, talking about when am I going to do this. Because you don't have control over time. God has control over time. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to get your life right with God. Confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, Romans 10 and 9. With the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God wants you to be saved. 
Anyone should be saved today. It's going down to that water to give the baptism. Where the blood of Christ cleanses you from all your past sins. Ephesians 1 7. We have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is your time to come. You've come unto. Now let's get you into. So that you can go home and have a good time. God bless you right now. If you stand and sing the invitation song, why don't you come? Somebody is knocking at your door. Somebody's knocking at your door. And oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. He can't save you. Somebody's knocking at your door. He can't save you. Somebody's knocking at your door. And oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Knocks like Jesus. Somebody's knocking at your door. Knocks like Jesus. Somebody's knocking at your door. And oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. Will you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door. And oh, sinner, why don't you answer? Somebody's knocking at your door.
come, we bow our heads in grateful hearts. Just thank you, Father, for loving us more than we love ourselves. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us where we have trespasses. Just pray, Father, that you always forgive us for our sins. And, Father, we just pray for those who uh, <clears throat> have asked for your help, as they always do, because we always know that you have all power. So, Father, they have asked in prayer that you will meet the needs of the families who are in need, help those who are struggling, help those who are still de dealing with um, illnesses. We're praying for uh, our, our very own brother, Bromel, that he will continue to get well. We're praying for all our brothers and sisters um, who are dealing with Ill illnesses. And we're praying for everyone, Father, uh, so we want to include everyone. So thank you, Father, for your, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for answering our prayers with a yes or a no answer. Thank you, Father, for your love again. Father, these prayers and all prayers that we do ask, and in the name of your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen.